0: In this episode, I'm going to share a draft of chapter 21 titled Maximizing Your Earning Potential. It's from the book I'm writing, Building the Invincible You. And in this book, I share a framework and some strategies for amplifying your power in your work and life, regaining your freedom so you can spend more of the time the way you wish you could, and building the future you want for yourself and your loved ones. And this is Invincible Life. So, as I mentioned, this is a draft of chapter 21. This is called Book Chapter Maximizing Your Earning Potential, issue number 37, I believe. If you go to newsletter.invinciblelife.me, you can read it. Uh, it has some links in it and stuff like that. I may not be able to get through the whole thing, it's kind of long. So, I'm going to go ahead and dive into it. We all know there will be a day when we retire from the workforce. For some of us, that day seems far, far away. For others, it's looming right around the corner. However, what most people don't realize is there will also be a day when your earning potential peaks. From that point forward, it will be increasingly difficult to make more than you earned in previous years. And I have a source for this. Um, they have a quote. Women reach their peak earnings at the age of 44, earning an average of 66700 I don't know if this is U.S. numbers. Men reach their peak earnings at the age of 55, earning on average 101200 So this is true for most people, not all, of course, you may already be earning more than that average. You may be lucky and continue to progress in your career well past the age of 44 or 55. But wouldn't you like to make as much as you possibly can for the work you do? Why would you settle for less? Also, even if your peak is later than average, you will still hit a point of peak earnings at some point in your life, unless you're immortal. And if you are, I'd like to talk with you about that. So in this chapter, I want to share some recommendations for maximizing your earning potential while you can and reaping the rewards of that investment later in your life. So the first thing is to leverage your advantages. There is no level playing field in life. Despite the popularity of schools and companies and various services that exclaim, hey, we create a level playing field. I mean, please, who are we kidding? you can't go through life as if you are playing a board game by the rules, making sure that everyone is playing fair and that no one has an unfair advantage over anyone else. Life doesn't work that way. There are so many variables, so many that influence your success in life. All the variables in who you are, what makes you, you, Variables in your culture and environment, variables in the workplace, variables in your boss, your employer, variables in the work you do. And there is an infinite combination of variables in the people around you and the way you interact with each other. It is impossible to create an absolutely level playing field for everyone. On top of it all, you are doing yourself a disservice if you don't leverage every single advantage that you have. The world is challenging enough without you restricting your potential out of some naive sense of fair play. You need to use your, quote, unique sizzle, whatever it is that makes you different, to create your unfair advantage. You don't get to reset the game board at the end of your life and play harder next time if things don't work out. This is your one shot. You get one game. You get one ride. Obviously, be a decent person. Don't be ruthless and cruel or do terrible things to get ahead. But play as hard as you can with what you've been given and what you've earned. Leverage every ounce of your natural talent. Your strengths, your hard-earned skills, the knowledge you've acquired, the experience you have, use all of that to succeed. And I shared a link to an article where I wrote more about how to do this. I have a quote from Rita Coolidge, too often the opportunity knocks, but by the time you push back the chain, push back the bolt, unhook the two locks and shut off the burglar alarm, it's too late. There is nothing wrong with using your supposedly unfair advantages to succeed in your career and life. Believe me, no one else is going to dedicate their life to helping make make you successful every step of the way. You'll be on your own and you have to earn it. So if you want to maximize your earning potential by receiving more opportunities, getting bigger raises and landing great jobs, don't hold back. Use every advantage you can to open doors, make people like you, persuade others, and get what you deserve. So I want to talk about leaning on your network. So in chapter 14 of this book, I talked about how to create your powerful network and the value of, quote, weak ties for discovering new opportunities. If you've built a great network over time, for example, peers at school, coworkers, previous bosses, it can certainly be one of your unfair advantages. My network is one of my most valuable assets. I frequently talk about the power of warm introductions as a way to bypass the traditional job search process which is a nightmare, by the way. I'm sure many of you would agree. Every single one of my amazing tech jobs over the last, I don't know what it's been, 20, 30 years, was the result of leveraging my network, getting a warm introduction and having, quote, an inside champion. My grad school advisor introduced me to someone who helped me get my first job with IBM. IBM. A grad school friend introduced me to a hiring manager to land a summer internship with Apple. My managers and coworkers at Apple wanted to keep me on, so they helped me get hired full-time at Apple later. My friend from Apple introduced me to a hiring manager at a startup to help me land a role as the first full-time design employee there. After I launched my solopreneur design agency, all of the great folks in my consulting network helped me land gigs for several years. My friend from grad school and previous coworker at Apple hired me at eBay. A previous coworker from eBay worked his magic at Google to help me get an interview and secure a job offer. And my previous manager's boss at Apple is the one who actually ended up hiring me at Yahoo. So it was all through my network. Let me be clear, though. I still had to interview for those jobs, and I had to do well enough to get an offer. I also worked my butt off for years to be very good at my jobs as a designer, manager, and leader. But as you may have experienced, it can be challenging even get to the interview phase and not get ghosted by companies. So yeah, I guess you could say having a powerful network makes all the difference in the world for landing great jobs and boosting your lifetime earning potential. I don't know why people still use the spray and pray approach and think it's going to work. Someone recently shared on social media that they had applied online to something like 500 job openings and still hadn't landed a job or even secured a solid interview. I think they were getting ghosted. I mean, that's ridiculous. Another person created a bot that generated multiple variations of emails, cover letters, and a resume and applied to thousands of jobs over three months. And let's just say... The results were less than spectacular. They discovered, as I have, that the best jobs aren't left to games of chance like that. And here were the takeaways they shared. It's not how you apply, it's who you know. And if you don't know someone, don't bother. Companies are trying to fill a position with minimal risk, not discover someone who breaks the mold. and. The number of jobs you apply to has no correlation to whether you'll be considered, and you won't be considered for jobs you don't get the chance to apply to. When you have an inside champion, they have a vested interest in you succeeding. They don't want to bend the rules to bring you in for interviews, only to watch you bomb out during the process. If you fail, they look bad too. Unlike the folks who got lucky and just happened to secure an interview with some random strategy, you will have someone who will champion you through the entire process. You know that getting that initial interview is only the tip of the iceberg. It takes a lot more to make it all the way through the entire process to end up with an excellent offer in hand. I've witnessed the power of the champion from both sides of the table. I've had people bring me into companies and it was clear that the interview was almost a formality. I've literally had an interviewing decision maker say, well, quote, the person, the champion speaks highly of you. If he says we should bring you on board, that's good enough for me. I've also been on the hiring side of the table and had a candidate's champion constantly shepherding that person through the process. He or she would make sure that we never dropped the ball, reminded me of how great the candidate was, and kept asking if we'd made the offer yet. I mean, doesn't that sound like something you would want as a job candidate? It's the best way to discover the best jobs and negotiate the best offers. Speaking of negotiating, negotiate differently. When you interview for new jobs and start receiving offers, don't be shy about negotiating for what you know you are worth. As hard as it may seem to do during the offer process, it's even harder once you take the job. Asking for a raise or promotion later will be more challenging, trust me. Now, level is the real golden opportunity when you're negotiating, and your total compensation is based on that. Stock, bonuses, base salary, and some other perks are all tied into level. Bumping up your level is where you'll get the biggest bang for your negotiation buck. If you are on the cusp between two levels, like director versus senior director, make a case for the next level up. Support your proposal with data and examples of why you are performing at that next level. Negotiate hard because a level bump impacts your lifetime earning potential as well as myriad other opportunities and doors it will open for you later. I can't emphasize this enough. People don't fight for this enough. Getting bumped up into that next level will make a massive difference in how quickly your career advances over the years. Now, if the thought of negotiating with an employer makes you feel queasy, I'm going to let you know a little secret. There is a much easier way to negotiate and receive the best offers possible. And that is, make them fight for you. You should be interviewing with more than one potential employer simultaneously. Speed up or slow down the process with each one to time everything so you receive multiple job offers. You can say, hey, I need a few more days to consider your offer. I won't be making a final decision until I receive offers from the other potential employers too. The best way to receive the best compensation possible is to negotiate intelligently and firmly. But most people feel bad about pushing their advantage when they are in the driver's seat. I get it. You're a good person. But there's nothing wrong with wanting a fantastic job offer. There's nothing wrong with being a strong negotiator to get what you deserve. Let me tell you, employers don't feel guilty about taking advantage of the previous job market conditions when they were playing candidates against each other, hiring people at below market compensation and giving employees meager raises that don't even keep pace with inflation. I mean, that's going on right now. I know it isn't easy to push back and ask for what you want in just the right way. It can often feel like some complex strategy game where you don't know all the moves and consequences yet. And when you don't negotiate hard enough, you are settling for less. And that's unfortunate because every new job is your most significant opportunity to boost your lifetime earning potential. Your biggest bumps in compensation and often title will happen when you have the best bargaining power. When are you in the best position to bargain? When? Before you take the job. However, many of us, for many of us, negotiation feels like conflict. It seems risky. If the other person gets upset and walks away, we lose the job. Or maybe we end up getting the job and now we fear that our new boss is irritated. However, there is hope. There is a way to reap the benefits of negotiation, even if you feel like it isn't your strength. There's a much easier way to let other negotiation experts work on your behalf. And that's by leveraging the power of competing offers. And I linked an article where you can uh, talk a lot more about that. But that is how you negotiate. You are basically pitting offer against offer. All right, I want to talk about staying with an employer while the quote, right is good. So if you love your job, if you like your boss, and things are going well at work, then stay with your employer for as long as it makes sense. But don't let a misplaced sense of loyalty or fear of the unknown make you stick around too long, especially. If your employer isn't taking care of your career and financial future, if your income isn't increasing to keep pace with inflation and the growing cost of living, you're falling behind. Today's dollar is worth less than it was a year ago. If you aren't receiving a sizable raise that exceeds inflation, you're actually making less money every year because the dollar isn't as valuable. It's as if your annual salary was reduced by thousands. And because of the rising cost of almost everything, it is getting harder to make ends meet. Yeah, you should always have a household budget and strive to reduce your expenses, of course. You know that I'm an advocate for living more simply and curbing extravagant spending. That's one reason I left the Bay Area of California. However, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't maximize your earning potential at the same time. If you want to get ahead and live a better life, you must ask your employer for the compensation you deserve. I'm here to tell you that waiting and hoping is a risky strategy. Not every employer looks out for their employees. Not every boss is going to fight for you. So I want you to get comfortable having a conversation with your manager about your performance every year before the employee review process begins. For many companies, that's usually in late Q4 and early Q1. So if you wait until they have made their decisions, it's too late. I also want you to feel good about asking for a promotion and the raise that comes with that. When you know you are performing at the next level and deserve it, I want you to feel confident asking for the raise you should receive every year to keep pace with inflation and cost of living increases. And I wrote a lot about that process in an article that I linked. If you go to newsletter.invinciblelife.me, this is all linked in this uh, book chapter. Obviously, be professional, be prepared, don't feel shy about it, don't be nervous, and don't feel like you're being greedy. You're not. When you are providing value to your employer, you deserve commensurate compensation in return. And if your employer doesn't understand that, it's time to find a new job with an employer who will pay you fairly. So that's why I want to talk about moving on when momentum slows. The sooner you accept full responsibility for your professional growth and career ladder, the better off you will be. No one cares about your career as much as you do. No boss will take ownership of your path and your future. You must build your own ladder to get the safety, growth, security, and fulfillment you need. The old days are behind us of joining a company and climbing an internal career ladder for the rest of your professional life. That doesn't happen anymore. Building your ladder may feel overwhelming, but it is ultimately empowering. Your career exists far beyond the walls of any one company. You get to plan the path that is best for you. In this modern, connected, remote, global working world, you have an almost infinite number of, quote, rungs to choose from. Intentionally choose employers who will give you the skills, knowledge, and experience you need to keep climbing your unique ladder. You can even select rungs from the wonderful world of entrepreneurship, as I have. It is easier than ever to transition from employee to solopreneur And I talk a lot about this in my other newsletter. So if you go to newsletter.invinciblesolopreneurs.com, I I share a lot lot of articles about how to do this. However, you will reduce your lifetime earning potential if you stay with an employer for too long. If you're not getting promoted frequently and receiving significant raises, like way beyond the cost of living bumps, you need to move on. For example, I worked at eBay for four years, and I received a promotion every single year I was there. That's why I stayed. But eventually, the writing was on the wall. All good things come to an end. And organizational and leadership change made it clear that my good years there were over. (laughs) So I started looking around. I leveraged my network, and I landed a new job with a promotion. In less than two weeks, my career would have stalled if I had stayed in my new job. I was soon promoted to VP of design, moved into a VP of product role a little later and boosted the trajectory of my career forever. Your biggest salary jumps will typically occur when you accept a new job at another company. Once you're inside the system, the policies for raises and promotions aren't very flexible. Your manager has a little wiggle room, but not much. I know because I've been on that side of the table. A new job offer is your chance to make the biggest impact on your lifetime earning potential. It's why I often recommend job hopping within reason. Quitting jobs too quickly doesn't look good. And now that's like, you know, if it's less than one to two years, that doesn't look so good, but staying too long will hurt you. It will hurt your lifetime earning potential. Job offers are also your best chance to elevate your total compensation with a sign-on bonus, quarterly performance bonuses, stock, you know, stock options, stock grants, uh, and your base salary, of course. You should always try to make a job change, include a promotion. I always tell people, it's like, if you're going to move to another company and get a job, let's make it a promotion at the same time. Because remember, every promotion, raise, and new job that comes after this will be on top of that new compensation base that you've established. The financial benefits accrue. So I also want to talk about creating a portfolio of diverse, scalable revenue streams. If your primary source of income is from one job and you have a single boss who controls your fate, you are vulnerable. You are also limiting your earning potential by only getting paid for your time. You essentially get paid once for the work performed for your employer, unless you've figured out some sort of rev sharing deal, which most people will never enjoy. I think this model is what most of us experience for the majority of our careers. It certainly was a reality for me. I had a few other smaller income sources, but the majority was from my full-time corporate job. And you may be thinking that this is all well and good because you're doing a great job and you get along well with your boss, but that can change. If and when your great boss leaves, you know, they land a better job somewhere else you may or may not end up with a new boss who works out just as well. Believe me. If your organization is merged with another one during a reorg, you may end up reporting to someone new. If your company is acquired, your entire job description might change as well as your reporting structure. I've been through all of these and some didn't end very well. (laughs) It's a roll of the dice. You don't usually have much personal control over corporate mergers, acquisitions, or reorgs unless you're a C-level executive or on the board. You do not get to handpick your new boss. You may even be quite surprised by who they hire for that role. I know I have been. If you don't mesh well with them or they aren't a good manager or mentor, your promising career path is now uncertain. When you create what I call an invincible career, you're not at the mercy of a single employer. You're not vulnerable to a sudden layoff that could quickly eliminate your primary source of income. You have backup plans and additional revenue streams to help you get through tough times and to boost your income during the good times. It's fine to have a nine-to-five job, but realize that isn't a scalable source of income. You cannot suddenly 10x the amount of money you receive for an hour of work. You don't get to do that. You can't create something and put it out into the world to generate revenue for you forever. Your time belongs to your employer. What you create belongs to your employer, not you. It's their intellectual property. You don't scale. You're one human being. Your time doesn't scale. But you can leverage scalable models to sell to an infinite number of customers. You can turn a fixed amount of your time as a creator, for example, into scalable goods that sell forever. You can scale what you do by hiring employees if you want to, or contractors. You can replicate your model with the help of support staff. You're basically extending yourself. Create your own portfolio of diverse revenue streams outside of work, on your own time. Of course, make sure to check your employment agreement and your local laws to know what's possible where you live. It's different. California is pretty open about this. Some places are not. Some examples of additional revenue streams that boost your earning potential way beyond your day job. Um, One is providing consulting service, So you could do that on the side. For example, I work one-on-one with my coaching clients. Getting paid by a much larger number of customers simultaneously for a single block of your time. For example, I've taught live workshops that were attended by multiple people. So I'm not teaching one-on-one. You could have 20, 50, 100. You could have 1,000 people in a workshop. Creating something you can sell to an infinite number of customers forever with some ongoing maintenance and updates. For example, I've created and sell multiple online courses. They're digital courses that I periodically update. There is no limit to the number of people who can buy that. I could sell it to millions of people. I'd love if that happened. And it can sell forever. I've tried to make things that are evergreen courses. Or you can even create something once that you can sell to infinite customers forever and make money while you sleep with no additional work later. For example, i love that I still receive revenue from articles I wrote over six years ago and never updated. So I spent a few hours writing an article once and it's been making money for me for six years. I've even designed t-shirts and put them into an online store. That was like over 10 years ago, maybe even longer, just for fun. And I haven't touched them since and they still sell and I get money from that. You can even quote, sell your sawdust. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's essentially selling the byproduct of your work or the systems you use to do your work. For example, selling a DIY process and template for how you create something. Some people also generate revenue from ads displayed while they're doing what they'd already be doing anyway live streaming while they game, work, commute, exercise, and essentially to live their lives behind the scenes. And I know that sounds crazy, but some people are making good money doing just that. For example, there's an Uber Eats delivery guy who put a GoPro on his helmet, records his deliveries, and uploads videos to his YouTube channel. He has several thousand subscribers, like over 50,000. You may have heard of Dr. Sandra Lee, also known as Dr. Pimple Popper. She's a dermatologist who shares her work with viewers. Last time I checked, she had almost 8 million subscribers on YouTube, and she makes a lot of money from that. There's a guy named Dylan LeMay who worked at Coldstone Creamery and he shared videos of his ice cream workmanship on YouTube and TikTok. He now has millions of followers on each platform and that success has enabled him to open his own ice cream shop. So you can think of this as getting paid twice for the same time spent working, selling your sawdust. You're already doing your job. And now the content that you record along the way is building your audience for your future side hustle or future business. So I know we're out of time. I have another section about investing for your future. It's a little bit about investments and also planning for what's inevitably coming when you, uh, reach the end of your peak years and retire. And I shared a bunch of the key points as takeaways. Um, you want to read this and read the rest of it, go to newsletter.invinciblelife.me. This is book chapter maximizing your earning potential issue number 37. I think it's 37. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chapter. Make sure to subscribe if you'd like to hear the future chapters that are coming. There's only a few more chapters left that I have to write for this book. And then I need to go through an editing process and all that hard work of getting it ready for publication and uh, getting it out there. But I'd love to get this book in everyone's hands. Thank you. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck with pursuing the life of your dreams so you can be happier, healthier, and more fulfilled.